asked for that prayer session tonight. It uh, gave me a little bolster that I needed. I thank all of you for your diligence and prayer. Now, this will be the 13th message in this series I've called We Are. This particular uh, subject we're going to deal with tonight, in my estimation, is a very neglected subject. It, uh, it's so because we've, uh, we're living in a culture that's, that's self-centered. And that's a very, very dangerous uh, environment. This message is, we are made manifest unto God. Mm-hmm. And my aim is to uh, <coughs> sharpen my own mind and yours as well, to think more about God, un- know, not just understanding, but knowing our minds and our thoughts and our ways. And the text is found in Second Corinthians 5, verses 10 and 11. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. According to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord. Isn't that an interesting statement after that? Huh? Mm -hmm. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Mm -hmm. But we are made manifest unto God. And I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. So there's a dual thing that Paul wanted. He wanted people to know, first of all, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. After all the comforting words have been uttered and all of the assurances have been uttered, we've got to remember this. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And he cites this fact that we are made manifest to God. Mm -hmm. God knows what we're like, knows what we think. Mm -hmm. And he's not neutral. Keep this in mind. God is not neutral. He has certain inviolable reactions to unacceptable (coughs) things and to acceptable things. We are made manifest unto God. Now, there's a different ways this is stated in some of the varied versions. These, most of these are expositions, they're not translations, but some of them say some very good things. The NIV says we are, what we are is plain to God. <laughs> we're not each, we're not plain to each other. Some of us are more plain because we're more open, but we're plain to God. The New Revised Standard Version says we are well known Mm -hmm. to God. The New Living Translation says God knows we are sincere. Well, that's that's an interpretation. But it is true. 
The Amplified Bible says what sort of persons we are is plainly recognized and thoroughly understood by God. This is why nobody should pretend that there's something they're not. And frankly, all of us will be tempted to do this. Sometimes it will be because we want some human approval, and sometimes because we're concerned about what people think, but we're thoroughly understood by God. So who better to speak to about your difficulties or about your longings, who better to speak to than God Almighty? I want to take some examples in scriptures of people that knew this, that God knows us, we're manifested to God. Now let's take Hagar the Egyptian. She called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, and she said, Thou, God, seest me. Whew. This is an Egyptian now we're talking about. Yeah. Thou, Lord, seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked for him that sees me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now you let your if you're living by faith, this is a comforting thought now. Mm -hmm. Because living by faith gets you in trouble in the world. You'll be subject to all kind of reactions of people. But God sees you. Yeah. Mrs. Hagar the Egyptian, she wasn't the paragon of virtue. But this is how God is. He sees yeah. her. Mm -hmm. She sustained her son who she That's thought right. was going to die. Angel showed her a well right there. Because God saw her. Let's take uh, Hannah, where the Robert's been ministering to us about Hannah and Ishmael and uh, Samuel. Hannah was praying and she was misguided, misinterpreted. First Samuel two three says, "Talk no more exceedingly proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord." is a God of knowledge, yes. Amen. not intellectual knowledge about this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. Knowledge about us. And by Him, yeah. actions are weighed. Amen. Hmm. Now, because we're, we're not God and we are not to be judgmental, mm -hmm. it's difficult to weigh people's actions. So you shouldn't really make an attempt to do it. But God does weigh actions. God weighs what you do, why you did it, what you intended to do. You can't bluff God. And if you remember this, like Hannah did, she was in a difficult circumstance. She had wanted a child for some time. And her prayers had been answered, and as a result, she was chided by other people, and it appeared as though God wasn't listening, and she was interpreted to be drunk because she was, uh, wasn't speaking plainly. She knew this. This, this comforted Hannah's heart. God is a God of knowledge, not encyclopedia knowledge, knowledge of his, the, 
the people he's created. Mm -hmm. He knows them very well. And by him, actions are weighed. So you let your actions be thoughtful, mm -hmm. deliberate, yes. God-honoring actions. Amen. Satan will tempt you to react without thought, mm -hmm. spontaneously. Mm -hmm. By him, actions are weighed. Samuel was uh, sent by God to anoint the uh, coming king. Mm -hmm. He didn't know who it was, yeah. but he knew the house, household to go to. Mm -hmm. yeah. And when he got there, Jesse's sons, he had several sons that paraded before him, and they all looked pretty, pretty promising. Mm -hmm. And one of them looked very good. It evidently was a rather tall young man, and look good and God told Samuel mm -hmm. look not on his countenance yeah. or on the height of his stature so he must have been kind of a tall imposing yeah, yeah. man because I have refused him yeah. by him actions are weighed yeah, right. I have refused him for the Lord seeth not as man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Amen. Amen. Now, I've noticed over the years that the more godly a person is, the more people look down on them. Mm -hmm. yeah. And sometimes it's professing Christians. They yeah. think they're odd, peculiar. I noticed that when I was... Uh, working in college there, that the students tended to look down on missionary children. It was a marked tendency. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't hidden. They talked different, they dressed different, they looked different. But the Lord, see, mm -hmm. He doesn't look at people that way. That's right. Yeah. And it's wrong, mm -hmm. particularly for someone claiming to be a follower of Christ mm -hmm. to look down on someone who's actually more sensitive than they are. Yeah. If you notice that, mm -hmm. that if you're really especially sensitive to God, you especially love the Word of God, you especially want to talk about the Word of God, you want to teach about the Word of God, you generally, by other people, are considered kind of a strange person. Yeah. But just comfort your heart with this. Yeah. God looks on the heart. Mm -hmm. I know many, if not all of you, have good hearts. So it doesn't really make any difference if anyone thinks differently. Yes, that's right. It doesn't make any difference. God's going to clarify the whole thing on the Day of Judgment. Amen. And people that were looked down on, His Son being the preeminent one, yeah. going to find out that this was not wise. When the Lord told David he was going to build him a house, David, uh, it was a very humbling experience. When God tells a person he's going to build him a house, it doesn't generate pride. Yeah. Right. You, you see if this isn't the case. Right. When he said he was going to use Moses, it didn't generate pride. Mm -hmm. yeah. He said he was going to use Gideon, it didn't generate pride. Yes. See? 
Everybody he chose chose Joshua. It didn't generate pride. When God chooses a person, it does not generate pride. So when uh, God told David this, here's what he said, 2 Samuel 7, 18, Then went King David and sat before the Lord, and sat before the Lord. Think about that, and sat before the Lord. That means when he sat down, there was one thing on his mind, the Lord. And he said, uh, Who am I? Lord, O oh Lord God, and what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? Well, he told him he looked on, he looked on his heart. Mm -hmm. David did not have a high estimation of himself. Right. He was a gifted young man. He was a brave young man, killing a lion and a bear and things like this. So he was a, he was an unusual person, but he had a he didn't have a high estimation of himself when he was before God. Yeah, yeah. When he sat before the Lord, he didn't because he knew God knows everything. Then uh -huh. the, the the text continues, and this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord God. This wasn't like a major decision on your part. This wasn't. Something that changed the history of the world on your part. But thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. Hmm? It's one thing for you to be blessed yourself. It's another thing for your progeny to be blessed. That's, that's something else. And which, who is the godly parent that doesn't desire that their progeny be blessed? And who's the one that has a that it lives in the firm persuasion of this without countless disappointments? And is this the manner of man, Lord God? Is this the way men think? And what can David say more unto thee? For thou, O Lord God, knows your servant. Is <laughs> one thing. For God to know you, it's another thing for you to know He knows you, yeah, and for it to generate consolation for you. This means very, very much, very much to me. And uh, I've entered in, I guess, what you call an old age, and so there's a tendency to want to shelve people like this. There's some churches that will not hire a preacher that's under 50 years, over 50 years yeah, old. Uh, right. They, they like, will not. Mm -hmm. That's just the end of the matter. Yeah. One of our uh, beloved brethren, Brother Bill, did, did, did Bill Dinwiddie, he's been trying to find a place to preach for five years and he can't find one. Mm -hmm. It's too old. Yeah. Well, God doesn't think this way. He picked some old men like he picked an old man to bless the infant Jesus. Picked an old man to do it. Because God knew him. For thy word's sake and according to thine own heart hast thou done these great things to make thy servant to make thy servant know them. Is, is that good? What I'm pointing out here is that 
the fact that God knows everything and knows about everything about you, that didn't intimidate David. That was a source of comfort to him. <clears throat> now here's a, a word of Solomon when he had more of a sound mind, Second Chronicles six thirty. Then hear thou from heaven thy dwelling place, and forgive, and render to every man according to all his ways, whose heart thou knowest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> See Solomon prays in view of the fact. Now see, think, think about it. how many prayers have you heard that was based on this kind of knowledge? Whose heart you know. Well, let's see, he based a prayer on that. He prayed with that in mind. Whose heart you know, for thou only knowest the hearts of the children of men. You're the only one that knows the hearts. What a blessing that the heavens been opened so you can pray to them, come to them. David said this in Psalm 7, verse 9. I'm showing how the godly men banked on this, that God knows the hearts of people. This is a source of comfort to them. Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish thou the just. For the righteous God tries the hearts and the reins. Have you thought about praying for this? I have. Let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end. Right. Why? You know, Lord. You know You know the hearts of men. Let it come to an end. So I'm picking up my prayers in this, in this regard. Picking up the prayers. Let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end. Yes. Amen. Eventually we know it is going to, but make it come to an end. The psalmist prayed this in Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6. He, he put this to music. He said to the chief musician, put, 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 a, put a song to this. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Like before I have it. Thou compassest my path, my lying down, or art acquainted with all my ways. There's not a word in my tongue, O Lord, but thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. It's high. I cannot attain to it. Well... If you have the faith to do it and the grace to do it, it's, it's good to just audibly confess this to God. Mm -hmm. You know my thinking. You know what I'm thinking from far off. Mm -hmm. You're acquainted with all my ways. There's not a word in my tongue that you know it all together. Mm -hmm. Admittedly, this knowledge is too wonderful for me. That is, it's not logical. It's not the kind of thing you can figure out. But this Amen. is a very real situation. Amen. And the more... I, I have a burden that people will know this. Amen. Because it will correct a lot of things. Mm -hmm. It will keep a people away from a lot of dangerous situations. Amen. Luke 16, 15... 
Jesus delivered this diatribe to the Pharisees and scribes. He said unto them, You are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Now, I've been uh, associated with organized religion for about about 70 years, 60 years intimately. And I know that people battle for the top position among the... Uh, Christian churches, we had the North American Christian Convention. Preachers would battle for that position. They still do. It's a position to be coveted. But see, this, this attitude is an abomination to God. Yeah. And this is true of, of any denomination. There are people that will do anything to be on the top. They don't realize that on the top, there's not much oxygen up there. What's highly esteemed among men is an abomination to God. So when a person gets hold of this with both hands, it changes how they think. It changes what they think about popularity or about being highly esteemed by men. Listen, brothers and sisters, if God Almighty approves you, it doesn't make any difference what anybody else thinks. Amen. None whatsoever. And believe me, when, not, when the Lord approves of you and lavishes His love upon you, you won't want approval from anybody else. Yes, that will quiet your soul. John 3.21, Jesus said this to Nicodemus, he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that, that they are wrought in God. <laughs> well, what about that? What about that for a blessing? He that, not that believes truth, he that does truth. Is that, is that a blessed thing to think about? Doing the truth. It's one thing to know the truth. It'll make you free if you know it. It's one thing to have a grasp of the truth. But what about doing the truth? The person who does the truth steps into the circumference of light and illumination. In other words, he wants to do what's right. And when he steps into the light, he finds out the deeds were wrought in God. God is the one who worked in you both the will and do of his own good pleasure. And a person who does truth, there's nothing like having this stamped upon your heart and upon your conscience that you did the will of God and God is the one that enabled you to do it. Amen. Romans 2 verses 15 and 16 is speaking to some Jews in a Roman body that were thinking too much of themselves being Jews. And here's what Paul wrote to them, Romans 2, 15 and 16, which show the work of the law. He says that the people that weren't believers, 
that so the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing them witness in their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing them. They were ahead of these people and they weren't even Christians. In the day, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, and that's according to my gospel. How's that? People think of the judgment day, they think of being, their deeds being judged and their words being judged, and they are going to be. They are. Well, how about the secrets? How about the secrets? The secrets that never got out. He's going to judge them because he knows them. That's right. See, your secret things that you know, unless you divulge them, nobody knows them. But God knows them. God knows your secrets, your secret ambitions, whether they're good or whether they're bad. And he's going to, he's going to judge them on the day of judgment. Do you see how extensive the day of judgment is? Your deeds are going to be judged. Your words are going to be judged. Your ambitions are going to be judged. Your imaginations are going to be judged. Your secrets are going to be judged. So know that ahead of time and uh, have good secrets. <laughs> First Corinthians 4 5 says, Judge nothing before the time. <laughs> don't, don't be premature. Don't make any final judgments. There are judgments you have to make. But not, not to, these are not judgments that deal with eternity. Don't make judgments in that area till the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. The counsels. The counsels of the heart. What made a person think the way they thought? Don't judge. You see, you, you really don't know. You, you can't project yourself into a person's private thoughts. You can't, you can't know their thoughts. But God does. The, the most you can know about how a person thinks is what, is what you see him do. Mm-hmm. But that's not, that's not thorough enough. But, but God knows the counsels of the heart. The inner workings and thinkings and purpose and plans. God knows them. And when he, makes them manifest, then every man will have praise of God. And this uh, fourth chapter of First Timothy, First Corinthians begins by saying, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. If God gives you something, you've got to be faithful. Amen. If you don't, he'll take it from you and you'll suffer. Who knows? Then in that same text, when he makes manifest the counsels of the heart, the person who's had noble motives, God Almighty will praise him. That person may never have got any credit for anything in the world. He may have been criticized and maligned, or she might have been criticized and maligned and looked on as peculiar. But the person who has been a good, faithful steward... God's going to, before an assembled universe, He's going to praise that person. I tell you, I tell you by experience that that will sustain a person. You've got to be willing to wait for it. Now, there's a scenario that uh, Paul painted for the Corinthian church 
they had some they had a lot of troubles. Corinthian church. They had more gifts than anybody else had, came behind and no gift, and they were one of the worst churches. So spiritual gifts won't correct anything unless they're used properly. And so he uh, tongues were the big issue there. It still is a big discussion point. What are they? What do they do? And men invent position, official positions on them and but he's trying to tell them in the assembly, he's exhorting them that what you say in the assembly has got to be understood. Amen. If you can't speak so you're understood, then you be quiet. It must be understood. So now here's the situation he paints. If the whole church be come together into one place... <laughs> Well, in this day, that's an accomplishment, just that. If nothing happens, that's an accomplishment. Have you noticed how difficult it is to achieve this? People have the reasons they cite, but the whole church, the whole thing, we come together to one place and all speak with tongues. Tongues means languages. Speak with tongues is the language and everybody didn't understand it. And there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, so they come into the uh, assembly and everybody's speaking in tongues. <clears throat> there come in one that believes not or is unlearned, and he's con- and what happened? He th- he says uh, they're mad. These people are crazy. But if they come in one that believeth not or one unlearned. And, and they're all prophesying. They're all declaring. Now you've got to understand what's, what's happening here. God is speaking through people. There's things that they know. It's that they're just not like robotically speaking. Like puppets. That's not what it is. There's a message being dealt and, and God is dealing with this stranger that come in. Yes. All of this speaking has been for that stranger that come in. Maybe he'd been guilty of some sin or something, but they're all prophesying and they're actually, they don't know they're doing this for this person, but that's, that is what's happening. I've been in an assembly that I know that what was said was for me. Yeah. Yeah. So this person knows it's for him. They prophesy and his, the secrets of his heart are made known. And he's judged of all. It was it was unintentional for, on their part. But this is what God did this. And thus the secrets of his heart was manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report God's in you of a truth. Only, only God could have done this. Well, this is something to do some thinking about. When you come into the assembly, don't be half asleep and dozy and other things on your mind and distracted to other things. So because who knows? If you're alert and sensitive, who knows what God will speak through you? You won't think, well, God, reveal this to me. That's, that's not how it works. But somebody will be on your heart. You'll want to speak it. And lo and behold, this faint person that come in, this may be... Just exactly what God wanted that person to know, yeah, that's right. and God does this because He knows what's He knows what's in man. He man is manifest to Him, 
And because of that, he will address what he wants addressed by people don't even know that they're doing this because he knows. That's a wonderful text of Scripture. Amen. Now, one last text here is 1 John 3.20. <clears throat> and again, this text is, is uh, had its share of abuse. If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. I don't know. I've heard people say that if your heart condemns you, you don't pay any attention to it. God understands your heart. He that's not what it means. Mm -hmm. He says if what you know about yourself condemns you, you can only imagine what Amen. God knows about you does. Amen. God is greater than our hearts and He knows all things. So if your heart condemns you, then you best be taking this matter up with God. Don't hide it. Because God's greater than our heart. He can condemn more than your heart does, but He can justify too. All things are manifest to Him. Now here I'll read the text again. It's a wonderful text. I hope I haven't clouded it for you. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God. Amen. So I bid you to ponder this, know this in your heart, that God knows all about you. Yes. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what your ambitions are. He knows. So what you know about you, and there's things about you that you may not know, but if you know what you take this up with God, if there's things you may have you don't know, then you pray to God, search me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's what you do. Yes, amen. Yes, that's what knowing God knows everything. That's one of the assets to knowing that. Yes. You can ask God, you know what's in me, search me and let, 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 me, let me know what I, virtues I have so I can praise you for them and what difficulties I have so I can confess them and correct them. Amen. Amen. So all of this works out for your, uh, for your good. Yes, amen.